Welcome to the Bond Brothers Podcast. I'm your host, J.T. Johnson, along with... Jason Johnson. Uh, in this limited series, 13-episode 13, 13 limited series, Jason and I are going to take a look at all 26 James Bond films. That means that we're going to be looking at the 25 official Bond films and even one unofficial Bond film, which we'll get to uh, along the way. As we go along at the end of each episode, I'll place each film in my own personal ranking of Bond films from worst to best. Jason and I will be discussing two films per episode, starting in this episode with Dr. No and from Russia with Love. Now, these episodes may run a bit longer than our usual episodes of Horror Bros. This episode in particular may run a little bit longer because I first want to establish how this film series came to be before Jason and I begin to discuss Dr. No. And we're going to go ahead and get started because it is a bit. <laughs> <laughs> the story of James Bond begins in the literary world in 1953 when a 44-year-old journalist named Ian Fleming pushed, published the first James Bond novel, Casino Royale. Fleming would go on to write 13 more Bond novels over the years, and his engaging spy series caught the eye of quite a few people in the film industry. Even Fleming himself attempted to write a screenplay for a James Bond film, but that fell through. More on that when we get to Thunderball. <laughs> he did sell the rights to Casino Royale, which did lead to a made-for-TV CBS film where James Bond was changed to Jimmy Bond, played by Barry Nelson, <laughs> and he was an American agent. Le Chiffre was played by Peter Lorre. <laughs> Yo, it's I, Jimmy Bond. I'm from fucking <laughs> Queens. Well, imagine Peter Lorre. Yeah. Yes, Mr. Bond. Yes. <laughs> yes. He's very good. Uh, however, uh, this was not a successful program, and it was quickly forgotten. It was fuck one of those. Yeah, they changed the name to Jimmy. What the fuck? <laughs> it's, it's one of those like live shows they did. Um, and I think for a little bit of time that, that they thought it was lost, but it was found. And you can actually watch it on the Blu-ray release of uh, Casino Royale, well, the 2006 film Casino Here Royale. you are telling me about something I never knew existed already. <laughs> Jesus Christ, I'm going to have to buy that Blu-ray just to see this. You can find it on YouTube. Okay. <laughs> it's If you see a video for 56 minutes, that's it. Okay. Um, at the end of the day... There were three major players that ended up getting Bond to the big screen. The first was a Canadian producer named Harry Saltzman, who bought the rights to the rest of Fleming's Bond books for a then sat staggering sum of $500,000. Oh, yeah. The second person was a man named David Picker, who worked for United Artists at the time. He was interested in making the Bond films, but learned that the rights were already taken. The third, and eventually most important person, was an American producer, keyword American, mm. <laughs> uh, for this British series, named Albert R. Cubby Broccoli. Uh, he had always wanted to adapt the Bond books and learn that Saltzman had the rights. Originally, Cubby decided to meet with Saltzman in an attempt to buy the rights off Saltzman, but Saltzman had other plans. He proposed that they enter into a partnership, and Cubby agreed. They performed Dan Jack S.A., named after Dana Broccoli and Jacqueline uh, Saltzman. They named the company after their wives. Uh, that would house the film rights. Uh, then they founded Eon Productions, and that would be the company that would produce the film. You see it at the beginning of every Bond movie. Yeah. 
Um, however, except for one. However, they still needed help with funding and distribution. And so they met with David Picker at United Artists and they made a deal for them to help finance the movies and get them distributed. Uh, originally, they wanted to make Thunderball, but there were um, rights issues, to say the least, at the time. And they couldn't get that. They, did, they didn't want to figure out how to get around all that. Mm. Honor Majesty's Secret Service was also considered, but ultimately Dr. No was chosen due to the story's limited location in Jamaica. That would go well with their relatively low budget of $1.1 million that they ultimately got to make the movie. The biggest question, of course, was who was going to play Agent 007. Several actors were considered for the role, including Roger Moore, but he was unavailable at the time due to television. Um, yeah, the Saint, the, right? I don't think he was doing The Saint at that point, because I think The Saint mm. actually comes about as an inspiration from the, from you know, Bond. the, the spy okay. genre. Okay. But he was doing other television work. Right. I think he even did Maverick at one point. Uh, yeah. Roger Moore. I think he became one of the later Maverick boys. But anyway, yeah. uh, the biggest name that was at least considered, though, was Cary Grant. Cary oh, Grant Cary Grant served as best man at Cubby's wedding. He was good friends with Cubby Broccoli. Mm -hmm. But Cubby ultimately decided not to even ask him because he realized Grant would never sign a multi-film deal and they would have to go looking for a new James Bond all over again. Right. And so they moved on from him. Ultimately, though, Cubby brought his wife Dana to a screening of a film called Darby O'Gill and the Little People. The <laughs> movie featured... Yeah, the movie featured an unknown Scottish actor named Sean Connery. After the, the screening, Dana immediately looked at Cubby and exclaimed, I think he's fantastic. <laughs> little little so, known fact, uh, she did that after Sean Connery walked up to her, slapped her in the face and said, tell your husband that I need to play James Bond. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so Cubby was so... <laughs> Covey was sold, but there were skeptical producers. But after Connery met with them and slapped them around a little bit, right? Now, <laughs> after Covey met with these, I mean, Connery met with the producers and won them over. Uh, they said, "Okay, yeah, he's perfect. He's perfect for the part." Yes. And with that, it's time for Jason and I to discuss the first film in the Bond series, Doctor No. Mm -hmm. Doctor No came out in 1962. It is directed by Terrence Young. The writers are Richard Maybaum, uh, Johanna Hard Harwood, uh, Berkeley Mather, and Berkeley Mather. Uh, another name that was on it was Wolf Makowitz, the father of Tom Makowitz, who would later go on to write Superman and okay. some of the uh, and some of the Bond films. The reason you don't see his name though is he thought it was going to be a disaster, and he asked his name to be taken off. Oh wow! Um, so, but the synopsis for this film, I have a little synopsis for each film. Uh, just to get you into a loop of what it is, Bond must investigate the disappearance of a fellow, fellow agent in Jamaica. Soon, he discovers a dastardly plot by the mysterious Dr. No concerning American lunar rocket test. He must then discover a way to stop the infamous villain once and for all. It's really that basic of a plot for this right. first uh, Bond adventure. And Jason, right out of the gate, we yeah. get the famous gun barrel sequence. Yes. However... This is not the first time we see Sean Connery in the role. Graphic designer Maurice Bender had the idea for this gun barrel sequence late into the production. And uh, Connery was not available to shoot the sequence. Therefore, stuntman Bob Simmons is the first person we get to see play James Bond on the big screen. I'll be damned. 
uh, and he will do it in the next two films because they'll use that same gun barrel sequence. Yeah. But when the ratios change in Thunderball, Connery will then film have to refilm it, and it's him that we see in the gun barrel. Yeah. Um, the one staple we are not introduced to, though, is a cold open. There is no cold open. We go from the gun barrel straight into the opening credits, also created by uh, uh, Morris Bender. And Morris Bender is a guy who will do the opening credits. I think he does not do it for Goldmember, but I mean, Goldmember, Goldfinger, but I think he does it for everything up till License to Kill. Yeah. Um, the the movie is directed by Terrence Young, and and many of the filmmakers claimed it was Young who sort of whipped this rough Scotsman named John Connery into shape. Even Connery himself said, "Oh yes, he taught me how to wear a suit. He taught me how to just to carry myself in a casino." Because right. Terrence Young kind of lived the playboy lifestyle, right? Uh, offset. Um, but Young was humble, and and Young himself said in an interview, "There was only three ingredients that made Bond." And they were Sean Connery, Sean Connery, Sean Connery. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, as you know, I'm trying to read the novels. I did not finish this novel, but I do know of some of the differences between it. Yeah. Uh, the um, uh, the fact that they use Spectre, Special Executive for Counterintelligence Terrorism Revenge Extortion, the clunkiest fucking acronym in the yep. history of ever. Uh, they use that instead of Smirsh, which is the Soviet organization <laughs> in the novels. Yeah. Uh, Fleming, that's because Cold War tensions in the 60s were high enough and they yeah. didn't want to have any political overtones. Right. Um, well, first off, before we go any further, uh, Jason, how, I'm, I'm going to go through the movie a little bit. I kind of have a breakdown yeah. of the movie. Yeah. What did you think of Doctor No? I really liked it. Yeah, um, and and I was kind of it, it, going into uh, early Bond, uh, you know, because I was a child of the eighties. So you know, I saw all the wacky Roger Moore ones, you know, and all. And it, but then also, I, I continued on with Timothy Dalton and and uh, you know Daniel Craig and, and Pierce Brosnan, and they had. Um, uh, is, of course, there's a lot more action-oriented. So I was kind of leery of going into these because I've, I've gone into old series, you know, before where it was more drama-based and less action. But it works. Connery just, he's just a presence on screen. And he, ma mm -hmm. and, and he just makes, even in something that normally you'd be like, well, this is boring as shit. No, he just, he yeah. makes it something <laughs> you want to watch. Um. Yeah, the movie... Oh, little fun fact. Uh, well, I'll get to it whenever we get to the scene. Um, of course, Bond is introduced in the most badass way possible uh, at, at a casino. Yes. Um, your name is Bond. James Bond. Yeah. And he's playing Baccarat, a game that I still can't tell you how to fucking play. No, I, I've, I've never <laughs> even looked into it. I just... Uh, you know, with that scene right off the bat, we're introduced to two more elements of Bond. His love of gambling and women. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, we get this flirtation. For that period of time, man's man. Yeah. He loves gambling, women, and drink. Mm. He's, you know, hell yeah. It's just what it was back then. Yeah. And, and it's not being dismissive of the fact that, yes, these are 60 plus year old films. And so yes. they're going to have some yeah. views that are a little <laughs> outdated. Yeah. A little um, bit. Um, 
But the good news is we recognize that today because we've made progress since then. Yes, so, of course. Um, of course, after he gets away from the casino, well, first off, the movie opens with the death of Agent Strangways and his assistant mm-hmm. by the three blind mice who <laughs> are described by a word in the book that I ain't going to use. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, and so then he gets the call, hey, you got to come in. Now, the thing that's funny is First, we get our first flirtatious scene with uh, Miss Moneypenny. Uh, Miss Moneypenny in this film is played by Lois Maxwell, who had a choice. She could choose Moneypenny or Sylvia, the woman we meet at the casino with Bond yeah. at the beginning of the movie. She chose Miss Moneypenny because she felt she more fit that character. Uh, Maxwell would stick with the role until Roger Moore's last Bond film, A View to a Kill. Um. In the briefing room, we are introduced to Bernard Lee, uh, who will be the first actor to play M. He'll carry that role to Moonraker, and he's still my favorite M. Even in the age of Dame Judi Dench, Bernard Lee, man, he's just got to... Yeah. It means you have a license to kill, not get killed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love... He, he sets that tone for every character that's going to play M right. uh, later on. Uh, now, one quick thing about the novel that I was going to mention earlier... And, but I was holding off for this scene, is he mentions, oh, you and that damn Beretta again. And then he brings in uh, Peter Burton, who is the first actor to play Major Boothroyd, a character we would become known as Q. Yeah. And he gives him his Walther PPK. Now, this actually happens in the book, but here's the funny irony of the order of films in the books. The injury he, is sur- he, he survived mm-hmm. in Dr. No is that Rosa Klebb actually did stab him in the leg at the end of From Russia With Love with the poison-tipped shoe, because From Russia With Love came before Dr. No, and he left it on a cliffhanger that Bond could have died because Fleming didn't know if he wanted to write another book beyond From Russia With Love. Yeah. And so Dr. No, they explain away, oh, yes, you've ended up in the hospital, the damned Beretta jammed on you. Yeah. And uh, another funny little thing about it is Major Boothroyd, Q, is named after a real Boothroyd, who is a gun uh, enthusiast, that wrote into Fleming and said, pretty much what Peter Burton says in this movie, ah, oh, the Beretta, good gun for a lady's handbag. That's yeah. kind of what he told Fleming. He said he would really have him use a Walther PPK yeah. if he needed a gun that could be concealed. And that's, so that's and how it happens. let's face facts, too. There's a, there's a little bit of Anglophile going on here. Beretta, an Italian company. Walther, yeah. <laughs> a British company, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but I can um, tell you from carrying Berettas when I was in the military, yeah, they suck. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I can't believe well, see, they won the contract, to be honest with you. There's actually a video of Boothroyd, um, the real Boothroyd. Yeah. Uh, where he shows you the stopping power of the Beretta the Walther PPK and really the gun he wanted him to use, which was the big fucking Magnum. Yeah. But there was no way to conceal that. So he right. settled for the Walther and he shoots a, a, a can of tomatoes with the, uh, with each gun. And sure enough, the Beretta is this little pinpoint hole. The yeah. Walther is a definite bigger hole. And then of course the fucking Magnum blows the damn thing in half. Right. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, the, so this really kind of makes the Walther PPK his first gadget that he receives from cube. Q branch really you know yeah. i mean it's really just an upgrade in the gun but uh um but after that and i just i love i love the the m briefing scenes i love them in every single bond film they're all yeah. 
<laughs> and I love how there's always some sort of thing where like in this one, he tries to sneak out with his old gun and M goes, uh, 007, you can leave the Beretta. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then when he, he goes out with, uh, to talk to money penny again, it's like M knows what he's going to do. And he comes in over the intercom. Please excuse the usual repartee. 007 is in a hurry. I love that. Yeah. That's just, yeah. that's the classic stuff that you'll see throughout this series. But anyway, after the briefing, uh, James Bond heads to Jamaica. This is when it becomes the first film in the series to have a quote-unquote mysterious person tailing Bond, yeah. only for it to be revealed that it's his CIA ally, Felix Leiter. Uh, the reason they do that is because it's a different fucking actor every time. Every time. <laughs> uh, except for once, but we'll get to that. Yeah. Uh, this first actor, though, to play uh, Felix Leiter is a young Jack Lord who would go on to later fame and fortune in the long-running series Hawaii Five-O. Yes. And I really like him as Felix Leiter. He he does a really good job. Uh, he's like, I love it when he corners him, when he's, uh, Bond is trailing another character, and finally a gun is put to James Bond's back, and he's like, who's your tailor? He's like, and he says some tailor in Britain. He says, mine's in Langley. He's like, oh, you mean we're fighting the same war? <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah. And then... Uh, uh, I just think he does a really good job. And one thing I noticed about watching it this time is I was like, wow, this is really more of a detective film. Yeah. It's him investigating the disappearance of a fellow agent. And the reason for that, I found out as I'm reading the book, the reason M gives him this assignment in Dr. No mm -hmm. is this is his first assignment since he was injured. And he kind of wants to, he thinks he's giving him an easy assignment. An easy one. Yeah. Here, go investigate this disappearance. In fact, in the novel, they say, we're pretty sure Straying Ways and his assistant just went AWOL. Just, yeah. you know, they took money and ran. Uh, and then, of course, Bond quickly finds out, oh, shit, no, this is bigger than we thought it was. Yeah. Uh, the next scene that I love is the scene where Bond is setting up the anti-tapering uh, stuff. Like, at the closet, he takes out a strand of hair and puts yeah. it across yeah. the door. He puts talcum powder on the on the briefcase. Yeah, old um, spycraft type shit. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then when he even when he returns and he does realize the hair is gone and the the talcum powder has been smudged, uh, he has a spare bottle of Smirnoff vodka uh, yeah. in his drawer. And uh, what's funny to me is like that's also big huge inspiration to the spy genre. That it's establishing with this movie. Yeah. Every time you watch a spy movie with a spy in it, they're going to do some cool spy shit. Right. Like that's some, some scene that shows how clever they are as right. spies. Um, as searching for listening devices, stuff like that. Uh, and then, after you know, of course, after that, we are introduced to... He learns that Strangways chartered a fishing boat. And actor John Kitzmiller is introduced as Quarrel. I really liked Quarrel. Yeah. Um, he becomes a bit of a fucking scaredy cat at the end of the movie. He's like, oh, don't go near Crab Key. There's a dragon. I'm like, yeah. what? <laughs> it, it, there's this thing where they believe there's a dragon on Crab Key, which is apparently a private island owned by Dr. No. Dr. No, yeah. And... <laughs> Quarrel is also the first in a long line of Bond allies who are great 
but are also more than likely destined to die yeah. at some point yeah. in the movie. Um, you know, and, and then eventually Bond meets other people that were associated with Strangways, the important one being Professor Dent, the geologist. Uh, he's played by Anthony Dawson. And when he sees that someone's trying to, you know, find out what Strangways was up to, um, he is re eventually revealed to be an agent of Dr. No, mm -hmm. and he's assigned to assassinate uh, Bond. And he, the first attempt is, it's a centipede in the book. In yeah. this one, it's a tarantula, which I guess we thought was way more lethal back then. Yeah, <laughs> I guess so. There's, I, you know, I have wondered if they didn't just say, did they not? No, back then did they really think it was lethal or did they just say from a production standpoint just put a big hairy fucking spider on him you know <laughs> you know what's funny about it though is sean connery yeah definitely afraid of spiders so when you watch the scene and you see it oh, crawling yeah. up at his arm some people think it's a composite but it was mm -hmm. actually simply a simp more simply done than that and you can actually notice if you look real close at connery's arm they put a pane of glass between him and the spider. And so the spider's okay. on the pane of glass. I'll be. And uh, so that ever looks weird to anyone watching this for the first time. That's yeah. why. Um, after that, uh, Bond decides to go meet a secretary who uh, he's fairly certain is in on uh, is, is in on all of this. She's yeah. a secretary for who is spying at a keyhole and he caught her, but she had, she played it off, and he's like, I'll meet you at your place. Uh, and when, on his way there, he's chased by the three the three blind mice in their hearse, which they use to stow bodies. little on point, but, you know, it works. Um, and, of course, he takes out the three blind mice, running them off the road. Their car explodes, because I don't know if you know this, people, but cars in the 1960s were filled with gasoline. Yes, yes. Uh, so the whole fucking thing would blow up I when, watched it, when a, it just lightly rolled off a hill. I thought it was <laughs> hilarious. I watched a movie the other day where, uh, uh, well, in fact, it was for horror bros. It was Scanners, uh, where a car just mm. rolls over into a yes. wall and just explodes. I mean, just, <laughs> you know, like, it, you know. Like they filled it with plastique and and set that fucker ablaze. But yeah, that 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 used to be the old trope in movies that happened with cars. And now this movie at this point sets up another solid trait of the Bond films. There's a construction worker who runs up next to the road, looks down, and Sean Connery looks at him and goes, "They were on their way to a funeral." Yeah, and that. It was Young's idea to add more quips and a little bit more dark humor like that. Yeah. Because he said it made it easier to get a pass from censors when it came to violence and sex if there was a kind of humor behind the right. whole affair. Right. It just kind of it kind of made that um, uh, more palatable for the yeah. censors, I guess. Yeah. And then, of course, eventually he makes it to the secretary and he eventually reveals to her that he knows when uh, he acts like they're going out to dinner. But really, he's called for a uh, a car from the, the governor's uh, place and they take her off to jail or whatever. Yeah. And he stays behind waiting for whoever's going to try to come and kill him because now he knows some someone's after him. 
Sure enough, Professor Dent shows up. He shoots at pillows in the bed because Bond has made it set up to where it's, yeah. uh, he's in the bed. And then he interrogates Dent to learn about Dr. No. And Dent grabs his gun, but the gun is empty. And um, Connery <laughs> goes, uh, you've had your six. And shoots him to death. Yeah, That's also was kind of jarring in the 60s because he's now just killed a man in cold blood. Yeah. But they said that scene's got to be in there because he has a fucking license to kill. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> they needed to show that what that meant is he, the way that uh, Patrick Mackney, who narrates the uh, special features on the Blu-ray goes, yeah. it, it establishes he has a license to kill whomever he chooses, whenever he chooses. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, of course, eventually Bond does end up going to Crab Key, Crab Key with Coral. And this is where Dr. No is located, and he meets the alluring Honey Rider, played by Ursula Andress. <laughs> who comes many up. names. Oh, yes. That are also um, in your window. And, uh, of course, she comes out on the beach in the famous scene in the famous swimsuit. And, and now... The te- the template is set for Bond girls to right. come. Uh, Andrus was discovered when Saltzman saw a photo of her, shot by her then husband, uh, John Derrick. Yeah. Um, Andrus was originally reluctant to take the part because she was not an actress, um, but she was at a party and they decided to pass along the script and read it together. And, um, after it was done and they had a lot of fun with it, she was encouraged to take the part by her friend, the legendary actor known as Kirk Douglas. Yep. I think when Kirk Douglas tells you to do it, you, you, do, you do it. Yeah. You just do uh, it. Bond and Honey are eventually captured by, doc, captured by Dr. No's forces, where we are finally introduced to Dr. No, played by Joseph Wiseman. He would definitely set up all future Bond villains. Yes. I love it because he, one... He takes them to to his secret lair. He keeps them alive. He feeds them very well. Yeah. And, and he does kind of have a motive. Bond is like, well, keep me alive. And he, he mentions he's an agent of Spectre. And, and I love that scene. I'm an agent. That scene. I'm an agent of Spectre. Spectre? Spectre. Special executive for counterintelligence, ter- terrorism, revenge, extortion. Yeah. <laughs> Just his delivery of the line is great. And it again, that Spectre name. I, I, I like Spectre. I like that it's a ghost organization in the background, so it's a Spectre. And they could have just left it at that. It really did not need well, to be. <laughs> they will, they'll, they'll do that in 2015. Yes. When they bring it back. Spectre yes. is not an acronym. In <laughs> Thank yes. God. Yeah. Um, but what's funny is when I got used to saying it, I was kind of like, there for it. Fuck yeah. it. Okay. Why not? <laughs> Fuck it. It's one yeah. of those things you just kind of accept. Um, I don't know if you remember, Jason. There's a scene where they're walking up. I think he's walking them to another area, and Bond takes a moment to notice a portrait, a painting, and there's like a little bit of a music playing there, like a knowing music. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a painting that had been stolen at that time. Okay. And so it's a replica of that painting. They're yeah. just saying, like, Dr. No is the one who stole it. I'll be damned. Um, of course, Dr. No eventually reveals that he works with nuclear uh, materials. Mm-hmm. 
And he's had an accident because he has metal fucking hands, the most cumbersome metal yeah. hands I've ever seen. <laughs> um, he can hold a cigarette, but he can also crush a metal thing. Right. Uh, <laughs> statuette. Uh, further establishing that Bond villains often sometimes have some sort of trait about them. Right. That, that makes them unique. Uh, he reveals that he is trying to disrupt the rocket, the lunar rocket test from America. He's part of the revenge department, I guess, of Spectre because it's kind of revenge for them not want, taking him on, and yeah, and and he's also trying to stir up some shit between America and and the Soviets, as you do in the 60s. oh yes, of course. And eventually, though, Bond does get the upper hand. Uh, he sneaks in in one of those big, huge nuclear cumbers. Oh, and I also love how you can get radiation and wash it off in a shower. That was another thing we thought of in the 80s, or I mean in the 60s, that, uh, oh, uh, just give them a shower. Oh, they've still got a little radiation in their fingertips. Put your fingers in this thing, <laughs> you know, <laughs> when, they, when they first get there. Um, eventually, yeah, Bond, he, he turns up the nuclear reactor, which has the cartoonish dial that goes beyond the red, you know, that, that that was a staple of these earlier films. Right. He has a brief fight with Dr. No, whose metal hands apparently can't hang on to a pole when they're wet. And he submerges into the radioactive waste and he dies, which to be fair is a far better death than what he gets in the book. In the book, he runs a guano factory. Now, for people out there who don't know what guano is, that's bird shit. Yeah, um, bat shit too. It's bat shit, bird shit. Mm -hmm. So he runs a guano factory to which Ian Fleming goes to great extents to explain guano, the history of guano, and 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 it's it, it's weird. Yeah, but uh, ultimately, Doctor No drowns in guano. That's how Bond yeah. kills him in the book. Um, afterwards, Bond, um, uh, escapes with Honey Rider. They're in a boat. They're about to get it on when, sure enough, the cavalry arrives. But this is a low-budget film. We're not going to have big battleships. It's Jack, it's Felix Leiter in a little boat with a couple of soldiers. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, should you here give us a tow? And then, of course, he threatens their lives for the sake of sex when he lets go of the rope so he can have sex with Honey Rider. Yes. The end. That's Dr. No. <laughs> yes, that is Dr. No. Um, yeah. Well, you know, you, you mentioned the, the depths to which he uh, uh, described that. We were talking about this the other day, how, um, I don't know, listening audience, if you've ever read an older book, uh, they get very descriptive about locales. They get very descriptive about things like, oh, I'm going to mention a guano factory. I need to explain this. You have to remember when these older books were written, there was no internet. There was no, uh, there weren't a 5,000 documentaries about planet Earth and everything on it. <laughs> uh, so a lot of times when people were reading these books, they didn't know what Jamaica looked like. They didn't know what guano was. And so, yeah, they would go in and explain these things in these books. So if you go in to read these books, remember, you're going to have a lot of, more descriptive things uh, going on in uh, there. And, and especially it, from Fleming. because he had, Well, especially for Fleming because he yeah. wrote these books in Jamaica. So when he's yes. describing a place, he's describing a place he's been to. Yes, so exactly. Like, so we stepped into the restaurant and got a nice table near the mahogany wall. 
near the right. near the third fan of the seat on the ceiling. Like it's just fucking like, dude. Yeah. Uh, all right. I get it. You know places. Yeah. <laughs> well, and also too, I mean, you've mentioned it to me before. Wrote these as kind of a travel guide. You know, uh, mm, mm-hmm. there was an alternate reason for these books. It wasn't just this great spy story. It was also a little bit of a, hey, I've been to this place and this is how cool it is. Why don't y'all come too? Yeah. Yeah. Um, The movie, of course, would go on to become a big hit, uh, which would lead to the next film. Yes. And, uh, but yeah, I really love uh, Dr. No. We'll rank it with the next film at the end of the episode. Uh, Do you have any more thoughts on Dr. No before we move on from Rush with Love? uh, Love this movie. And, uh, of course, you're going to do your rankings for these movies. Uh, But I'll, I'll go ahead on and give you a... 10 out of 10 blind mice. There you go. (laughs) You can keep that going. And what's cool is you just did a thumbs up and we're FaceTiming people. Yeah. And a thumbs up bubble popped up when you did a thumbs up. Really? That's crazy. These phones, I tell you, it's scary. Thumbs up. Yeah. I don't know if it did it to yours, but. Uh -uh. (laughs) uh, But yeah, that's nuts. Um. So, what would the next Bond movie be? That's the big question. And it comes out the very next year, 1963. They they pump these out quick back in the day. That next film would be From Russia with Love. Director Terrence Young returns. Writer Richard Maybaum returns, along with Johanna Harwood. She would leave after this one because she was tired of Young constantly rewriting her scripts, which were closer adaptations of the novel. Yeah. Um, Richard Maybaum is a name you'll hear a lot as we go along. Um, he's he's a regular for the Bond movies. And the music for this one... Oh, and I meant to talk about this. The music for the first film was Monty Norman. So Monty Norman is the one who wrote the Bond theme. Mm-hmm. But it was arranged and and some trumpets and some guitars and other things were added for special flair by John Barry. Mm-hmm. And that actually kind of led to who really wrote the Bond theme because yeah. Barry did change quite a bit of it, but he kept that same rhythm that Monty Norman had had. Yeah. Ultimately, Monty Norman is the writer of the Bond theme. Uh, but in this movie, From Russia With Love, John Barry is the composer, and he is another name that will stick with us for quite a while. Which, uh, and, um, speaking of, let me let me yeah, say something ahead. here real quick. Let me interject. Since we're talking about the uh, the theme, uh, you'll notice, folks, that we just go directly into the episode on this. There's no introduction, no music. Uh, of course, there's no way in hell we could use the Bond theme for this. We would nope. have been copyright restricted immediately. Uh, and I, I went to go find royalty-free uh, spy music, and uh, they all suck. They're all just like it's. It's like they, these guys throw together a few notes of Peter Gunn with a few notes from Mission Impossible with a few notes from Bond, and you know they make these things. And so I didn't want to do that, so we just delve right in. We don't we don't do a song and all that for this. And a real quick shout out to graphic designer extraordinaire Courtney Pugh. Absolutely. Uh, one of my- Good friends. He d- yes. He's not only developed the cover art for our Horror Bro show, which is what this show normally is. Right. Uh, he created the album art and the cover art, if you're on the Facebook page, for this show. Yes. And one of the things we had to remember was don't add too many elements that are too close. Like, don't make the 007 like the 007 logo. 
because right. that's a trademark fucking thing. Right. So, but he found a good compromise and made it really look Bond yeah. uh, like for us. And I he just did. want to give him a quick shout out. Absolutely. He, he, Courtney always he just hooks us up with some good artwork there. Does some great, great work. Um, okay. So the synopsis yes. from Russia with Love. The evil Spectre organization has set a trap for Agent 007 when Bond is assigned to help a beautiful woman who seemingly wants to defect from the Soviet Union. The reason British intelligence even considers the idea is due to her claim that she could provide them with the Soviet Lecter device, the first of many MacGuffins in a Bond movie. Yeah. Uh, eventually, Bond gets a tail when a mysterious blonde assassin plans to take out Bond on behalf of Spectre for the death of their agent, Dr. No. So, why was From Russia With Love chosen? Because earlier uh, that year, President John F. Kennedy released a list of his top ten favorite books, and From Russia With Love was on his list. I'll be doing. And so, that's how JFK helped inspire From Russia With Love to become the second uh, James Bond film. Yeah. Um... This is the first film to feature a cold opening. This one introduces us to Grant, played by uh, Robert Shaw. If that name sounds familiar to Spielberg fans, that is Quint in Jaws, mm -hmm. playing a far different character here. Yes, very, he very Shaw. different. Really showing how good an actor Shaw is, because if you watch, uh, yes, 115 men went into the water, <laughs> only would have come out. And then you get to this movie where it's like, Good work, Devil Seven. You figured it out quite nicely. Yeah. <laughs> Just, but for this training exercise at this in this cold open, he's hunting down a Bond double, uh, played by Sean Connery at first, but then revealed to be someone wearing a Connery mask. That's for thematic shit. He didn't need to wear a fucking mask of Sean Connery. No. <laughs> um, you know, for for him to play this game where either he or uh, Grant is going to die. Right. Um, but the training exercise does also introduce us to someone else. Walter, uh, uh, Walter Gotell. I think I'm saying his name right. As Morzini. Uh, Gotell would later return uh, in the series as General Gogol in multiple Bond films. And he's great in those movies. I yeah. can't wait till we get to those. Um, after the training exercise, we get another opening credit sequence with some belly dancers. You know, you got to... in the arms with the credits being projected onto them. Uh, what's funny about these opening credits, which are now staples of Bond films, is that was kind of a common thing to do in hip 60s movies. Yeah. But it just died out, and the Bond films just kept doing it. So Yeah. <laughs> um, and so we get another opening credit sequence. Uh, then we're introduced to Kronstein during a chess match. Um he's there and, and he gets a message underneath the glass of water. And I love that scene because the waiter puts it down and just kind of holds it there until Kronstein acknowledges him. Like, dude, I'm playing a fucking chess game, man. What the fuck you doing? Yeah. And, and, but then he takes the drink of water and he's like, Oh shit. The boss is calling. Yeah. But, uh, he's played by, uh, and I'm going to try to say his name, right? He's a Polish actor. Uh, Vladek Shibal, I think is how I heard it pronounced, but I, I could be totally wrong. Uh, he's an agent of Spectre. Um, the actor was recommended for the movie by Sean Connery. He was He's good friends with Connery at the time. And he's got a, this trap where 
we're going to tell um, Bond, or we're going to tell British intelligence, hey, there's this woman that wants to defect. Come and, you know, come and get her and you can get this, because she'll help you get this lector decoding device. And the the idea is that the Soviets will catch wind of this and then it'll be kind of an act of war. It was, it's all about trying to make the Cold War hot, you know? Yeah, and, yeah. Um, the way they, but the woman in question is Tatiana Romanova, and she doesn't know that Rosa Klebb, played by uh, Lot Linya, Latte Linya, excuse me, um, it, it, she doesn't know she's defected to Spectre. She thinks she still works. She thinks so. She thinks she's doing a false defection for the Soviets in order to gain intelligence for the Soviets, uh, and that she will meet this agent named James Bond, who looks quite good uh yeah and um before that actually i meant to mention this we do meet blofeld for the first time in this movie but he's a faceless uh cat lover yeah uh and i can't remember the actor who is actually the voice but we have seen the actor who was playing the hands it's anthony dawson who played professor dent and dr no okay because because uh, anthony dawson was friends with Terrence Young, and he was actually a retired actor and crop duster when Young said, hey, want to be in a Bond movie? So, (laughs) want to be in this Bond movie I'm doing? Um, And so, he's actually credited as a question mark in the end credits. Blofeld question mark. Yeah. Um, But yeah, Dawson would do the same thing later on in Thunderball. Uh, Rosa yeah, Rosa briefs uh, Tatiana Romanova, and uh, Tatiana is played by Daniela Blachi. I, I'm I know I'm butchering a lot of these names. Yeah, but uh, don't worry, it happens. Oh God, uh, she was a model and beauty pageant winner that was noticed by the producers, mm-hmm. and uh, she won the role. Wonder what got their attention. Hmm. <laughs> she, she well, she won the role after screen testing with Anthony Dawson, who was standing in as Bond. <laughs> um this is also the second film after all of that we're finally introduced to bond yeah bond comes in pretty late in this movie i think it's like 17 minutes before we get to see bond actual bond in this movie this is the second and final film to feature eunice uh and i know i'm saying that right i actually looked that one up uh eunice uh gayson as uh sylvia trench she was the woman at the beginning of dr no that that she's like Oh, you have to leave immediately? Almost immediately. Yeah. (laughs) Well, here she comes back um, in another scene where they're going to be prematurely interrupted because he's going to be called away on a mission. That was actually the... Sylvia Trench doesn't appear in the novels. That was actually going to be the idea is that the running joke is that Bond has this girlfriend named Sylvia and just before things can get interesting between them, he's got to go on another mission. Right. Uh, they abandoned that after this movie. I think they realized that was going to run stale pretty quickly. Right. Uh, then we finally get our briefing with him. Um, this time, it's him telling him about the Soviets and the Lecter, and the, and it, and they mention that it's they obviously know it's a trap. They don't know it's a Spectre trap, but they know it's a trap set up by somebody. Mm-hmm. But it's a it's a chance to get this Lecter device. This thing is yeah. so important. We'll run into a trap to get it. Um. In this film, for poor Peter Burton, he could not return as Q. 
So he was replaced by Desmond Llewellyn. I'll be damned. And Desmond Llewellyn would go on to play the role, if I'm not mistaken, uh, 17 times. Yeah, he was... Uh... He, he, yeah, the staple to the point where I didn't know when he passed. I did not know what they were going to do uh, to to bring on a new cute. But they, you as you'll find out later in this series, a pretty good job replacing him. They did, they <laughs> did. Um, and and uh, and what's crazy is he didn't even die of old age. Yeah, he I was, know. He was on his way to a book signing and got into a car accident. Yeah. It, it blows and, my mind every time I hear that because you would think he would have just been like, you know, what did he die of? Being 180, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and, and what's even crazier is like they said, it was revealed later on that even though they set up his appearance in the world is not enough to be a potential exit yeah. for the character, he was still planning to come back for the next one if they asked him. like, yeah. and, and they were planning to ask him. Uh, to to return, yeah. but it, it's just crazy. But he's the longest, and he and I think at this point he will remain the longest running actor in in the Bond series. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And uh, he gives Bond really. I said the Walter PPK earlier was his first gadget, but let's face it, he gets his first gadget in this movie, and right. it's the gadget filled attaché case. Yes, which has pull this lever here, and out comes twenty five gold sovereign. 50 total, 25 on each strap. Yeah. <laughs> I love it because it's the famous Q briefing. Press this button here and a secret knife will eject from the case. Yeah. Push these here, spare bullet cartridges. And then yeah. I love the point where he's like, put the talcum powder, talcum powder, an exploding grenade. Put it here, mm -hmm. it's magnetic so it won't fall. And then he closes the case and he's like, to open it, you would normally push the latches this way. To open this one, turn here. Open as usual. Like, he's giving me the <laughs> usual thing. And I love the Eddie Izzard bit. I'll go ahead and mention this. Where he, Eddie Izzard talks about the Bond movies, and he talks about the Q scenes, and he's like, for once, wouldn't you just like to see him get a gadget he doesn't use? Yeah. Like, I don't know what the jelly blitches were for, and it didn't come in yeah. handy at all. Yeah. <laughs> like, Q, this, but, uh, this is a real piece of shit, Q. You know, uh, do better. <laughs> Do better, Q. <laughs> so he uh, he will always give Bond exactly the gadget he needs yeah. at some point in yeah. the movie. And I love it. It's one of those staples you just accept. Um, so then Bond has to head to uh, Istanbul, excuse me, and he meets his friend of the movie. Uh, what's up? Sorry, I just said, yeah, I can't help it. I hear the name. I have to go to the song. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. But, uh, yes, the next thing Bond does is he gets into contact with his friend of the movie, uh, Karen Bay. I love this character, man. Yeah. He's played by uh, Pedro uh, Amanderes, and... The great thing about Karen Bay is everyone who works for him is his son. Like, yeah, I think you should have big families, <laughs> you know, because it's like they should. Those men were quite good. They should be. They were my sons. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, but this is where our story in the real world takes a slightly tragic twist. Uh, Armanderis got sick during the production, yeah. and he found out he had terminal cancer. I'll be damned. 
And but he insisted that he finish his scenes for the movie so that his wife and kids would be taken care of by his pay for the film, yeah. like the money the money he was going to make off the movie. Uh, the producers did shift the schedule around to film his scenes sooner, and he completed every shot he was scheduled for. Yeah. Um, gave us one of the best roles ever, but sadly, before falling too much more to the pains of his illness, he actually snuck a firearm into his room and took his own life. Because oh. he just, yeah, it, he knew he was going, and he's like, I'm not going to live with this pain for the rest of, for yeah. whatever little for what time I, got. I have. Yeah. Yeah. But his legend lives on in more than one way. Not only does he give us Karen Bay, who is just a fantastic character. He's just charming. Yeah. Uh, it's like he himself says in the movie, charming, charming. Yeah. <laughs> He's just a great character and a good uh, Bond ally. But his son, who I will talk about later, appears as the president of Mexico in License to Kill. His real life son would make an appearance uh, in a later Bond movie. Oh, so that Bond producers never forgot uh, what he did uh, for this film series and just uh, all reports, just a all around decent dude. Yeah. Um, and let's see here. So eventually, Bond and Karam they have to hide out because there's an attack carried out on Karam's office, and they go to a gypsy camp, as you do. Mm-hmm. Uh, that uh, gypsies that know Karim and say yes you guys can stay with us where we witness a gypsy girl fight why because by god you can just have it in there what yes. the hell it serves no other fucking purpose than to have two beautiful women yes. fight each other yes fight, fight uh, slap yourself so I don't have to later <laughs> <laughs> by the way Jason is making reference to a very infamous Barbara Walters yes, yes, where Sean Connery once said, it's okay to smack a bitch. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. That's what he said. It uh, was like, he went to, straight up pimp on that fucking interview. He was like, <laughs> to which, to which his wife had to come out later and say, look, I've been married to that man for nearly 40 years. He ain't ever laid a hand on me. Right. So. Yeah. That's because um, she keeps herself in line. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> oh uh, shit! But the two uh, the two gypsy fighters they're played by uh, Eliza Gurr and Martine Beswick. Martine Beswick will actually return in another role in Thunderball. Uh, what follows the gypsy fight though is a pretty badass action uh, sequence where the camp is attacked. It's probably one of the bigger sequences in the movie, um, and that's where we really learn that Grant is following. Uh, Bond. But not only that, he's protecting Bond because Bond needs to finish his part of it before they exact their revenge and kill him. Yeah. He's got to go through with trying to get the lector and all that mess. Um, then he finally meets Tatiana in the famous bedroom scene. Uh, this is actually a scene uh, Bond's about to take a shower and he notices that Tatiana is snuck into his bed naked. Yeah. Uh, and this scene... It's kind of like the quintessential scene between Bond and a Bond girl. Yeah. It's so quintessential that it's actually the scene they use to screen test potential new Bonds and new Bond girls. Uh, because that's usually in order to keep a real script a secret or they don't have a script yet, a, a completed script yet. Um, 
And so that scene is kind of gone down as one of the more famous ones. And the producers, even to this day, really like it. Um, <laughs> later on, Bond is hinting, is, is talking, is trying to get information about the lector from Tatiana on a boat. And I love that scene because M mm -hmm. and Money Penny and the generals are all listening in. And yeah. uh, she goes, she goes, have you ever been with a woman like me, James, or something like that? And Bond starts to say, well, there was this one time when M and I were in Tokyo. And M quickly cuts off. Yeah, thing. cuts it off. <laughs> and, and he goes, that'll be all, Miss Money Penny. And when she walks out of the room, he clicks it back on. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's the only time where Bernard Lee is uncharacteristically kind of like, Caddy, caddish yeah. or caddy, yeah. uh, but uh, uh, I, I just love that idea that at some point in time, M and Bond had an adventure in Tokyo. Yeah, <laughs> like where's yeah. that story? But um, and then finally, they board a train. Um, but the scene, there's an outside scene showing them boarding the train. The day of, there were so many onlookers that yeah. Terrence Young couldn't get a fucking shot. He was like, there's too many. So Bob Simmons, the stunt, their main stuntman, he found a balcony somewhere nearby, jumped over it, acted like he was in danger hanging off this balcony. The onlookers ran over there to see how he was doing. <laughs> Terrence Young got his shots. So, <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. And I, I love that, man. Bob Simmons, a uh, legendary stuntman. And of course, uh, major con contributor to the bond films but yeah. uh uh eventually karen bay though he falls victim to what many bond allies do he ends up being killed <laughs> yep um and that leads bond to going to meet someone and then grant kills that person and stands in for that person and finally bond and grant meet um, and they have dinner on the car and then he drugs Tatiana, uh, Grant drugs Tatiana and Connery immediately knows it's him. And we get the famous confrontation between Grant and Bond on the train. He uses that briefcase because yeah. he has the dials turned. And so the talcum powder goes off and they have this pretty brutal fucking fist fight in which Shaw yeah. and you, and you will notice in this series a lot of noticeable stuntmen, but it was not in this scene. Shaw and Connery got down to brass tacks in this scene yeah. and beat the crap out of each other. <laughs> um, of course, he gets the upper hand on Grant. Grant's got this, like, garrote that comes out of his watch, and uh, Bond eventually gets that and uses it against Grant and takes him out. Um, next up, uh, Tatiana and them leave the train where Bond is being chased by a helicopter. Uh, Jason, have you ever seen North by Northwest by Alfred Hitchcock? Yes, I have. The Very filmmakers will, the filmmakers will first. tell you, oh no, the filmmakers will tell you straight up they ripped off. They just stole North it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they, they were like, yeah, we just put that in the script because they needed, I think, uh, yeah. the suggestion was, is that they needed another action beat. So they right. came up with that, but that allows the second time, the first time Bond has this, another part of his attache case is this, the, what looks like the butt of a gun, but encased in the butt of a gun is a sniper rifle that right. he can quickly assemble. First used by Karen Bay to kill the person who attacked, who led the attack on the gypsy camp, yeah. which contains, that's the scene where the, there's the poster on the wall, uh, from the, uh, uh, a Bob, Bob Hope movie. 
and it's got a picture of a woman and it's like her mouth is very interesting wouldn't you say and her mouth yeah. opens because it's the secret exit for the guy right and karen bay shoots and kills him and of course sean connery this joke didn't date well says she should have kept her mouth shut yeah <laughs> But, He's just over there slapping the wall. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I hear. Oh, and by the God. way, folks, we, it, it, gypsy. Yes, we know it's a problematic term, but it's it's. It, it, this is from of its time. This was it was a gypsy camp in the movie. So, sorry. Uh, yeah, I'm not gonna lie. When we talk about these early Bond films, I'm definitely not gonna talk about. It. Oh, it has outdated views, you say? Yeah, it just is yes, what it is. Yeah, they do. And, you know, a lot of people point out, especially views about women. Well, yeah. here's the thing I'm going to tell you. Here's how much this movie is of its time. The people who really loved these Bond movies back in the day? Yes. Women. Women. Most of the, the women uh, people who went to the theaters to see them were women. Yes. During one of the premieres, when it was like Bond was like the Beatles. Yeah. Um, Sean Connery drove up in the Aston Martin and the window was down and a woman jumped into the car just so she could yeah. touch him. Yeah. I mean, so these movies are of their time. It, I, I can still like them and understand they have outdated views that I yeah. never want to see in a movie today. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you just have to understand that times were different and thank God we've evolved. You yeah. know, we're, we're better off. We've learned better, which should be good news for people out there because it shows as a as a race on this planet the human race is getting better stop believing yeah. all the hype we're actually mm -hmm. getting better but anyway that's enough of a diatribe on that yeah. let's get back to it. <laughs> uh so after they escape the helicopter and they get away yes. uh, uh we get we go back to blowfield and there's rosa Kleb, and then there's kronstein and Morzini comes in, and he's got the poison-tipped boot. And Blofeld is like, they're like, uh, Rosa failed and, and all this. And it's like, but it was your plan that that blew up. And and then, of course, Blofeld looks at Rosa and says, he is right. If you failed, you must pay the ultimate price. And she's like, I understand. Like, And then, of course, Kronstein gets the fuck. It's the misdirect. Kronstein right. gets the, the poison tip. Uh, shoe, and then we get to a. They get onto a boat. Uh, Tatiana and Bond. They're mm -hmm. gonna head on. They're heading on back to to Britain. But Morzini and a bunch of other Spectre boats come after them, and that's our finale, which is yeah. this big boat chase battle where he eventually releases these drums of fuel and shoots them with a flare gun, and right. they blow up. <laughs> this is my only problem. Is like, I think a lot of. My only problem with this movie is that a lot of other Bond films have, even Dr. No had a bigger, more explosive finale than this boat chase. I think this boat chase felt like they really wanted it to be bigger than it was yeah. at the end of the day. Yeah. And they just did what they could. And so I found it rewatching it this time. I found it just to be kind of anticlimactic compared to other stuff. I think the climax right. of this movie is really the fight on the train. Like yeah. between yeah. him and Grant. Yeah. And so, after that, though, they're back. Uh, I think they're actually in Italy. I think they end up in Italy, because they're in a gazebo at the end of it. Yeah. But uh, Tatiana and Bond, where he has one final fight with Rosa Klebb. 
she's got the poison tip chew, and she's trying to fight Bond, and he's holding her back with a chair. Yep. Basically, it's basically like the person holding the person back by their hand yeah. uh, on their forehead, and they're just trying to swing. Yeah. It's like a uh, damn line tamer. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, Tatiana, she gets a hold of the gun, and she has to choose. Does she kill Bond, a man she loves, or does she kill Rosa, who she's still not quite sure is evil or whatever? Yeah. And she shoots Rosa and kills her, and... Bond and, and Tatiana go to live happily ever after until Bond needs another girl in the next film. Right. Uh, this movie is noted as being the film that film make, the filmmakers, the producers in particular, are always trying to reach again. Uh, a famous quote from producer Michael G. Wilson, for example, he once he once said, "When we write these when we write these scripts, we always hope we get her from Russia with love, but usually we end up with a Moonraker." So, yeah. <laughs> um, for me, before I get your thoughts, Jason, for me, this was the first film, Bond film that had all the right ingredients. There's the gun barrel sequence, the cold open, the opening credits, the main Bond girl, Bond's ally, a great henchman with Grant. He's like the first in a long line of great, uh, yeah, main henchman, yeah, uh, second only to our villain, uh, an inventive gadget with the case, an over the top criminal organization with Spectre, yeah. and of course plenty of great action sequences. It just moves. It moves from place to place to yeah. place to place. It, it never really stops. And so I love this movie. And I, I, I really and, do. And, and I will say that was going to be my main thing I said about it was, was it was, it was the first, the first movie, Dr. No, mm-hmm. they were getting their legs under them, figuring out yeah. what this was going to be. The second movie, they're running pretty much on all cylinders at that point. It's hitting all the beats of a Bond movie. And oh, yeah. uh, that's that was one of the things I noticed about this. I, I think the film is great. I, I, I like the the underlying theme of uh, uh, her lover is actually killed by Bond. She's made a vow. She's going to kill her, you know, the yeah. Bond. <laughs> and then she falls in love with him, you know. And oh, so, yeah, yeah you know. Uh, but, yeah, yeah, it's it's a great film. And, uh, you know, I, uh, before we go into your rankings, of course, I'll, uh, anything else you have to say, I will, I will go ahead and give my, you'll notice right here, I'm going to give this film 10 out of 10 gold sovereign. Yes. There we go. Yes. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. You know, I didn't think about that idea until we were recording tonight of yeah. having you, you rank the movies like we do right, our normal yeah. horror rate them. and i yeah. just. I'll, I'll just rate give the, the worst to best ranking right. uh, on this one. For me, uh, I have two films to rank in this first time. Right. So, and obviously, I'll be adding them. So next week, yeah. it'll be four films and so forth right. and so on. Uh, so number two is doc, has to be Dr. No, because yeah. it's the first one. It's great, but it, it it's definitely still trying to find its way, right? as you just mentioned. So number one right now uh, with a bullet is From Russia With Love. I mean, it's a solid spy thriller. Like, From Russia With Mm -hmm. Love is not just something that other Bond films aspire to be. From Russia With Love is kind of the template that a lot of other spy movies kind of wanted to try to emulate. Because because as good as some of these other films that we're about to watch uh, are, From Russia With Love is a more straightforward, true spy thriller. Mm-hmm. Um, as opposed to something that turns maybe into an adventure 
or eventually something into a, an adventure comedy in some cases. Yes. But, um, so yeah, doc, so right now the bond rankings, as I say, is Dr. No is at number two and from Russia with love is at number one. Mm-hmm. Uh, the last thing I want to talk about, Jason, what I'd like to do at the end of each episode, uh, I'm going to try to have something at the end of each episode mm-hmm. is, uh, a segment I call beyond bond. Yes. Um, the idea is to recommend something from the spy genre, something inspired by bond or something starring someone prominent from the bond series, et cetera, et cetera. Um, for this episode, I'm actually going to recommend something that's a remake of a TV show. Uh, I'm recommending the Equalizer trilogy. Oh, uh, star- yeah. Starring Denzel Washington as a former special operative who also helps out those around him that have been wronged in some way. Yes. Uh, I love all three films, but the first one is definitely the strongest, and the recent third film being a close second. The right. second film is good, but it's just not as good as those first two. Um, so, yeah, and you actually introduced the reason I chose that is that's actually one, something you introduced me to. Yeah, you introduced me to the first they're equalizer. They're great. Yeah, I love them. Have you, um, have I have not the seen the third one yet. I'm about okay. to, in fact, that's on my list to watch within this month right now. I, I make a little monthly list. And so it's on there. So um, I, I, I may not have one of these every episode of this little mini series we're doing, but uh, mm-hmm. a little fun thing that if you want to go watch, uh, uh, this is very interesting. Robbie Williams of, I believe, Take That fame. He was a, a boy band guy. Uh, then he went on a solo career. Uh, and he has a song called Millennium. And if you go watch the video for this song, he actually plays James Bond in this song, uh, in this video, but everything he does goes to shit. Uh, the jetpack <laughs> fucking malfunctions and all this other shit. But Robbie Williams actually looks a little bit like Connery, uh, Connery's Bond. And uh, the cool part about it is, is... Um, they let them use the studios that they filmed the Bond movies in, the world famous studio, um, to to film the oh, video. Yeah. The 007 stage, yes, Pine, Pinewood Studios. Yeah. Yes, and so that is uh, that's a that's a, a fun little thing to go to go check out. It's really cool video too. It's a good song. Robbie Williams had a very good solo career. So, um, and that's I'll let awesome. you. And from there, I'll I'll let you take it away, J two. All right, and and real quick, I do just this is just gonna be a quick note. If we get in this next thirteen weeks any Bond news, yeah, I'll share it here on this podcast. Absolutely. But to be honest, be honest with you, they've they they've been dry since No Time to Die. They are on lockdown like, right now with information, and I think it's because they are choosing. You know, uh, is it going to be? A Nolan thing is it not going to be well, who's the next Bond going to be I think they're just kind of keeping everything under wraps I'll be honest with you I mean I think it's that I think it's two things yeah. one what's I think it's one thing for sure and then another thing potentially usually when there's a long gap yeah between Bond movies and any news of, and there's no news about Bond yeah usually they're having to try to figure out some rights situation right and I know Amazon bought MGM, and then that, and that somehow involved the Bond series. So maybe they're having to sort some shit out. That, right. That's the potential thing. 
I honestly think it's we're giving this shit some time to cool off because Daniel Craig's era was so damn hot. It was so any good. Yeah. anything that follows is gonna fucking fail. Right. And so right. but if we learn and I anything think that new it, much yeah. like they went a different direction with Daniel Craig's bond, I think they're gonna have to um to to uh in order to make the next bond work in people's minds, they're going to have to go back to more suave debonair, you know, less action bond. And, uh, you know, I, I mean, there'll be action in it, of course, but it'll be, but it'll be more of that, you know, original bond, you know, uh, more stealthy bond. Henry Cavill. Uh-huh. That's who I want, but there's supposedly, I forget who it was, but there's, I guess the, I forget what his name is. Uh, uh, Dylan told me the other day, but uh, Vegas Money is on this guy being the next Bond. I'll have it for you the next episode. Yeah, yeah. I, the, I'll be honest with you though. Right now, everything I have seen yeah. has been strict, strictly rumor. There's right. been absolutely right. nothing official. Yeah. So, like I said, this was Vegas, yeah. Vegas odds. It's not. Uh, it, it's literally there are bookmakers in Vegas that are taking oh, yeah. bets <laughs> on who the next Bond is going to be. So, uh, yeah. which I oh, mean, okay. you can bet on anything. So, I'll occasionally see. Uh, yeah, I, I know what you're talking yeah. about. I'll occasionally see an article. Uh, um, this person drops a few places in bookies, you know, <laughs> due to this information being revealed. Like, cause for a long time, Tom Hardy was being right. Uh, kind of touted as a potential one. But when Tom Hardy came out and said, no, I don't even want the yeah. role. I think he would make a great villain. They pointed. Oh, he'd yeah. make an amazing make, villain. Uh, the only problem is, is if Christopher Nolan does direct, uh, how is he going to figure out how to cover up Tom Hardy's face? In some way, because that's all he ever does is cover up the beauty that is Tom Hardy's face. Anyway. If only he was 20 years younger. Yeah. Idris Elba oh, was God, my choice yeah. for a long time. He was my choice. Yeah, me too. But, but Elba's come out and said, like, I've, I've aged out of the role. Like, he's yeah, like, he's I'm, just too I'm, old for it. It's just too old at this point. But uh, that's it for this episode. I Yep. Jason, I talked more than you did, man. I'm sorry. I kind of dominated no, the no. conversation. I figured this series would be that because you are the Bond guy. You you know so much information. And this is more fun for me than being that way that I get to just, you know, listen to it, take it in, add my little comments and stuff. What's so. great about it is, like, I realized as I was watching these movies to get the rankings and stuff like that mm -hmm. and kind of revisit them. I had not watched them since pre-pandemic. I hadn't watched yeah. them in three fucking years. It just time got away from me. This used to be like an annual thing. I'd watch the Bond movies at some point. Right. Um, so getting to sit down. The, well, I take that back. The only one I saw was obviously in theaters. I In 2021, I went and watched No Time to Die. But mm -hmm. um, And I probably did rewatch the Daniel Craig films at that point to catch myself up then. But as far as just sitting down and watching them all and just loving them and, and enjoying them, I haven't done that since I stopped watching them for the, cause I'll go ahead and tell you guys, I have my ranking. I'm just fitting in the films as we go along. Right. Um, even after I've revisited these films to do that, I've been going to bed to a Bond film every night. I just be, I'll, I'll, I'll choose a ran, I'll choose a random one, throw it in yeah. there, and fall asleep ten or fifteen minutes into the movie. Like right. it, it's, 
I, I'm back into it, baby. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, so I'm loving it. I can't wait to do next week's episode, um, which we're shooting to do the same. We'll record on Wednesday night. It'll be some point up uh, some point after that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for now, that's all for this episode. We hope you liked what you heard. This is the end of episode one. The name is Bond, James Bond. But the Bond bros will return in episode two. You expect me to talk. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. All right. right. That's it. That's all I got. Uh, We'll see you next week, everybody. Goodbye.